If you want to get rid of all the ads, just choose the David McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts and you'll hear us without any clutter or noise or ads. Lovely, John. Beautiful. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is podcast time and this podcast is going to be about the end of economists. <laughs> this is, don't you start giggling over there. Oh, God, God. The end is nigh. The end is nigh. No, it's going to be about the impact of AI on the world. And just like, can you give you an image, John, of me, right? Yes. Okay, this is a sort of a Renaissance, Reformation, pre-Gutenberg-esque, pre-printing press. I am the equivalent of the monk, the monastic monk, the scholar <laughs> who transcribes the Bible into the local language, understands Latin, has a quill. By candlelight. By candlelight, yeah. very, very late at night. By candlelight, which was incredibly expensive back then. Incredibly, oh. incredibly expensive. In fact, one, it's funny you mentioned that, one of the most wonderful exemplars of the impact of innovation on the world has been the total collapse in the price of light. So right. if you go back, Explain, I didn't, I didn't, okay. so if you really go, if you go back in economic <laughs> history, right? That's exactly no, you you might Here giggle. We go. Here we you go. might Strap giggle, in. right? You might giggle. If you go back in economic history, one of the most expensive commodities in the early medieval age yeah. was light. Like you look up now, we've got how many lights in the yeah, 50 billion. 50 billion, right? Okay. And that big spotlight on you. Yes, exactly. Always on me. Okay. But the price of light has collapsed, right? There's a very, very interesting economic paper about the price of light relative to everything else. Right. Now, okay. So, John, this is fascinating. We didn't expect to get into this so quickly, right? But one of the greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest measures of innovation in our world, what innovation does is it reduces the cost of things dramatically. So technological innovation. So as we become more and more efficient, cost of things fall. Now imagine the monk, right? Yes. And he's doing the he's doing the Bible and he's writing the whole thing and he's artificial light. In the 1300s, imagine this now, one million units of light, what they call one lumen hour of light, okay? The amount of light you can get from reading under a lamp. Right. right? Would have cost, now in 2000, Prices. So in prices of around this time, right. if you go back to the 1300s, one hour of lighting would have cost around 40 
1,800 euros. Wow. Okay. So imagine how expensive wow. life is. Today, this has fallen to 2.7 euros. Who could afford that, though? That's a 14,000-fold decline in the cost of light. Yeah. I think about it, right? So in the 1300s, light has fallen. The price of light has fallen by 99.9% mm. since the 1300s. So imagine how much of a luxury it would have been to be able to write at this time, yeah. number one, and to be able to read at this time. So today's podcast is all going to be talking about innovation. Yeah. We're going to talk about AI and the impact on economists, because economists are basically the monks, the yes. 13th century monks of the 20th yeah, century. your time is up. And back then, most of light came from beeswax. Not all, but most of light. Yeah, but what about whale oil? Surely that whale, was the thing. Well, like before whale, beeswax... What were they using? Now, interesting you say this, right? Mm. We're now on a total and utter early morning sort of skite around the world. It, it sure are. They were using it's not new there. whale oil and walrus oil. Walrus oil, And yeah. wal right Now, interesting, right? So, <laughs> do you know, John, this yes. is a fascinating fact, that one of the most common first names in the Westman Islands in Iceland is Cormac, the Irish name. Right. Which has got nothing to do with ancient Norse or Viking. Yeah. It's an or Lumens for that or matter. Or Lumens for that matter. It's an explicitly Irish name. Now, why is this, right? So the Westman Islands, you know this because you like your geology. I do. You like, an, you like a volcano. I do. Right. So the Westman Islands are where there was a huge volcanic eruption in the 1970s in Iceland. Yeah. Interestingly, why are they called the Westman Islands? They're called the Westman Islands because that's where the Westmen in the Viking world lived. So the Viking world was divided into Ostmen yeah. and Westmen. The Ostmen were people from the east who were the Vikings themselves, which is where Oxman's town in Dublin comes from. Right, yes, yeah. Because yeah. the Viking colony was around Stonybatter, yeah, Oxman's yeah, yeah, yeah. town road. And yeah, if you go was. there now, all the names are King Citric Road and all these Viking roads. <laughs> and they were the Oxmen. Yeah. They lived then. They're the Ostmen, right? Yeah. And everybody who wasn't an Ostman was a Westman. Now, typically, Westmen from the Viking worlds were people from Ireland because mm. we were the most Western part of their yeah, empire. Yeah, yeah. Now, why are they called the Westman Islands? Because that was a slave colony of Irish slaves who were deposited in the south of Iceland. All called Cormac. And not only all called Cormac, <laughs> but because the vast majority of slaves were women, the way in which they passed on their Irish heritage was through the names of their kids. Okay, right. And yeah. it has become a name. Now, why were they there? That's the thing. <laughs> I didn't know, Mark. Why were they there? This is fascinating. Jesus, John, we're over <laughs> up, right? Why were they there? <laughs> up they were running. there because Iceland was a walrus trading outpost. And why were they trading walruses? One was for their oil yeah. in order to generate heat and yeah. light. The other was for their tusks. The unicorn tusks. Now, the, these, why, were they, why were they interested in tusks? Because, now this is a fascinating little detail. This Go is on. why it all shifted around the 8th, 9th, 10th century. Was because the ivory trade of elephants yeah. was stopped by African rulers to Europe. What, now the what? reason it was stopped was because of a, an issue over gold in a place called Guinea. Right. You know Guinea? Yeah, in West Africa. And do you know what else is Guinea? 
our parents would have used the expression a guinea for a pound. Yes, yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's where the gold mines were. So there was a big row over gold. The Africans said, no more elephants for you lads. Of course, what do you make out of tusks? Ivory figurines. Yeah. Who uses those? The church. Ah, right. Yes, so they had to find another source of ivory. They found it in Iceland for the walruses. But in Bloody order, church again. But in order, in order to populate that trading outpost with slaves, they needed Irish women right. to breed the slaves. And this is why Cormac. So that's a bizarre opening to the podcast, John. Jesus. There you go. Mad wow, stuff. That, that's great. Mad, that's, that's great. And there is me going to talk about tomatoes. Forget your pomodoris. <laughs> but what I want to talk to you is, but it's all about technology. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk to you about AI. And the reason I'm interested in AI is because I think AI is going to, as my father used to use that great expression, to do away with, which I love that expression. <laughs> it's going to do away with them economists, right? <laughs> and many others as well. But what I find, many of us as well, but I think economics in particular, we'll talk about it in a minute, is going to be highly susceptible to AI. Explain that to me. Well, because if you think of one of the most fascinating aspects of AI, it's a, its ability to manipulate data, to regurgitate data, and to trawl data sets and come up mm. with answers. In the world of economics, one of the roles of the economist, well, there's many roles of the economist, right? But one of the roles is as a data analyst. So basically, you put together all this data, you find relationships, you find regressions, correlations, mm. you run all sorts of econometric tests, and you come up with a... So, so for example, you can imagine like a politician might say, oh, we want to increase tax on land. Yeah. And yeah. they go to the economist and say, okay, how much is it going to cost? What's the budget deficit? What will impact will this have supply? What impact will it have on demand, etc.? And the economist will run all sorts of models, and those models come up with an answer which is a sort of a, what I was called, it, it, it numerifies the obscure. So the obscure is this idea that, say, I would like to do this, how much is it going to cost? Yeah. And what economics does, one part of economics, is it puts a number on a problem and says, numerically, this is what it's going to do. Mm. Okay? Now, that demands lots of study, lots of hard sums, yeah. stuff that I did years ago, and it is hard, right? I mean, I couldn't do it now. It's amazing your brain loses that ability. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But AI will do that in a second. So because it's trawling data, it's making connections, it's, it's driven by the very, very algorithmic models that economists learn. Now, we learned them in order to deploy them to situations that people would ask us, okay, explain this, right? Mm. But if you've got AI to do it, it makes less mistakes, number one. Yeah. So in a world that is looking for numerical cleanliness, AI will destroy those high priests, those monks, yeah. who had the keys to the tabernacle of numerical cleanliness. They'll, they'll blow out their candles. They'll, oh, I saw what you did there. I, they'll quench the candle. <laughs> they'll spit on the index yes. finger, the thumb, and they will... Yeah, yeah. But, but but do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. But but hang on a sec. So that's only half the story, though, surely. Because, so you have the numbers, but then it is fellas like you. Storytellers. The storytellers, exactly, who can extrapolate all the, the, the insights. The future is not science, Shanakees. The Shanakee. Oh, we're on a roll the, today. The future is the Shanakee, okay? The <laughs> lad who can come in and tell the story. But the reason I want to do AI, because I was looking at that chat GPT thing and I was fascinated by it. 
Stan, I, I, I managed to put it on my phone. <laughs> right. right? Okay. So it's there beside the heart thing that does it. Did you do your 10,000 steps? Yeah. How's your ticker? <laughs> the two things that matter to me. And they start I, talking to each in other. In my advanced... control. <laughs> <laughs> in my advanced age. But I am fascinated by it because all innovation. So, for example, what happened with light in the old days, incredibly expensive, incredibly mm. manual, beeswax to breed bees, Walruses, la la la, forty grand for yeah. this costing, right? Per million hours. Yeah. Now it costs about two or three euros, right? So ninety nine percent fall. Why? Because largely electricity. So now we turn on the light. We don't care. Yeah. Right. Back in the old days, I had to go out and find a few bees. Yeah. A few walruses. A few cormacs. <laughs> Took a long time to find a few cormacs, and away you go. So that's what fascinates me about innovation is the way in which it has consequential impacts on the rest of our world. And if you think about AI and bots and all that whole mm. world, I mean, I know AI is much more sophisticated. It has, a, it has an incredibly significant impact on professions, on what people do for a living, on what people value, John, and what people don't value. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Right. I've never yeah, yeah. heard of it. She's now backwater. Now backwater, exactly. Now backwater. And I went with Martine. This is when we got this award from the Oh yes, the World Economic yes, Forum yeah, yeah. thing, right? The, the Martine Davos, Dusto from Argentina. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was for Davos people. It was the Davos Award, but it was in China. And I yeah. hadn't been to China. I said, Case I go. I got that. Get pick up an award, go to China. Yeah, or, yeah. Freebie. A freebie, exactly. So I went to China, went to this city that I'd never, ever, ever heard of, mm. let alone knew of its existence. And there was nine million souls living in it. And that was the first time I got this impression of, oh my God, we're dealing with something totally different here. And then in Beijing, about a couple of days later, Martin and I got up one morning and we'd heard about this thing called the Pearl Market, which is a knockoff market for everything. Right, yes, for yeah, G- yeah. For everything you can imagine. It is basically Every designer clothes. And I am the least designer clothes person in the world. I wouldn't yeah. even know a designer is it hit me in the head. But <laughs> Martin said, Let, let's go to this. We'll be fascinated. And because he was from Argentina, he said, look, I can't afford any of this stuff, but yeah. I can afford it there, right? Yeah. He said, I've got to buy stuff. I've got to bring stuff home. I think he was looking for, he's looking for football kits for his nephew and all sorts of stuff. So like he was buying messy shirts in China for mm. half the price they were in Argentina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So anyway, so we went along. <laughs> when we're nice. sitting, we go along to this thing and it's huge. It's about six stories, but really massive of shops of all sorts of brands of all sorts. It's an indoor market. Indoor market. Right, indoor okay. market. And I think I bought like a rucksack or something there. You know, so that sort of thing, right? But what we were fascinated by was the following. The two of us walked in and we're speaking English. They hear us speaking English. And the sales, it's girls, young girls, yeah. start speaking English to us. Yeah. Incredibly fluently. Like as if they were from here. Yeah. Right? Incredibly fluently. And then Martin, they asked him where he was from. He said Argentina, and they started to speak Spanish to him incredibly fluently. Right. About prices going up and down and the quality of this and the price of things in Argentina, price of things in Spain, and we'd give you a 10% discount. A lot. Amazing, right? And he said they weren't only speaking in Spanish, but when they heard he was from Argentina, they were able to speak in what appeared to him like accented Latin American Spanish. Right, right? okay. Yeah, so he said yeah. they sound like me. Yeah. So we were, I was intrigued by this. It's the haggle is great. So the whole thing is you go in there and they say it's going to cost you $50. Yeah. And then you say I'll give you a fiver. And yeah. they're like, "Oh no." And there's yeah, all yeah, yeah. winks and nods and indignation. It's the what I would call the buzz of the hustle, which yeah. I love. Yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah. I've always loved hustling, right? And I always love the buzz and how people negotiate with each other. And I I actually think it's really deep part of human social history that we don't actually appreciate. Yeah. How much it's a real haggling. skill as well. It's a though. real yeah. skill. It's, it's a, a skill real... I have to say I don't have. Very few people have. Yeah. But it's an amazing skill. It's got humor. It's got emotion. It's got guile. It's yeah. got pretense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got this whole gamut of human soft skills. And I actually believe, if we want to get into really deep things, right, that huge amount of human soft skills come from trading. That we've been trading with each other for so many thousands of years. That mm. in actual fact, lots of, like even, even humor. Basically, humor is taking, in those sort of situations, it's taking the, it's taking the heat out of the room. Yes. Very yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, great negotiators are always quite humorous as well. Anyway, so we're, we're, we're haggling away. Martina's is saying to them, look, listen, you think I look European, and I do, but I'm from Argentina and I'm even poorer than you. Right? So this is going to be a proper haggle, okay? He says, as for your man, Reds are here. Sure, he's from Ireland. He's got loads of money, right? But anyway, what was fascinating is their ability to haggle in English and Spanish. And then we said, this doesn't seem right. They're too fluent. 
And they were also anticipating our questions too much, right? Mm. So Martin then said to them, he said, watch this. And he turned around to the one in, in Spanish. And I said, what did you say, Teresa? I asked her what the weather was like in mid-April in Beijing. She was completely flummoxed. She didn't understand what he said. They looked at right. the other one. I asked the same question to one the Does English. not compute. Does Pre- not compute. Precisely. They could not understand what we were saying. Right. Okay. So this Why? is weird. Now, this is weird. So I said, what's the story? So what actually happened is they had learned not English or Spanish or Portuguese or German. They could speak all these languages. They hadn't learned the language. They'd learned the sound of the language. And they had learned to anticipate a huge amount of questions pertaining to buying and selling. It was a gene shop, right? Yeah. So they were able to absorb in the sounds we were making. Now, they could speak the language, yeah. but so, only in the context of what they were trying to sell. So they just regurgitating a script. A script, but they were regurgitating, even more interestingly, a sound. Right. Right? So they had gone to learn. Now, apparently, after we told this story to somebody else, they said there are language schools beside the market in order to train these okay, people. Okay, right. Yeah, so yeah. they had gone in, Jeez. and in various languages, they had learned the sound of questions, how much is it, mm. you know, etc. So they'd learned a bit of the language, but their data set, this goes back to AI, was limited to getting the deal done. Ask them anything else in English, and they're completely flummoxed. Now, they could together figure out what we were saying, mm. but because they weren't programmed, they hadn't programmed themselves to listen to, what do you think the weather's like in a month's time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That combination of sounds was alien to them. And I thought, this is AI. This is artificial intelligence. This is what bots do. Like every single time you go online, you're talking to a bot in a a call center or whatever. And the bot is just recognizing data that's inputted into its little world. And it's largely based on anticipating questions that we're going to ask. And I remember coming away thinking, that's extraordinary. Because that is artificial intelligence. So the Girls who were selling it were incredibly intelligent, but the intelligence artificial in the sense that it wasn't a broad knowledge that they had. It was simply specific to this thing. Based so they'd on, learned an algorithm in effect. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's down to the programming of it. Precisely, and they were programmed. Yeah. And this interests me. And I thought, wow. And I've always thought, that's quite fascinating that humans can be programmed. And of course, if humans can be programmed, machines and robots can be programmed. Yeah. And now, of course, we're into this thing that is on my phone called Chat GPT. Now, if you put in, so you will enjoy this, John. Yeah. So I put in, just just for you, I put in Joseph Schumpeter. Ooh, we love Joseph into, Schumpeter. Into, into Chat GPT, and out came this, an essay. Really? An essay on Schumpeter, really accurate. Now, that's terrifying for someone like me who writes journalism for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it means that, you know, what someone like me does is you've got all this stuff in the back of your head and you interpret events through economic journalism, right? But you're only as good as the information in your can. Mm. And then maybe stylistic change or whatever, but that's what you're as good at. And it's very clear that this bot, this AI can do this job extremely well but what's this and gonna really do, quickly. But what's this going to do to the economy? This is a game changer then for many aspects of the economy. So journalism, media, anywhere there's kind of dealing with data, it's like HAL 9000 from Kubrick's movie. 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. But it's not just data. This is the interesting thing. So this level of intelligence mm. is much higher than our bots. This is, a, it's able to synthesize ideas. It's able to contextualize ideas. It's able to put rational paragraphs. If you imagine, so for example, that the reason we have paragraphs in, in writing is because we have assumed that this is the way people absorb information. You absorb mm. a paragraph, you go, okay, I've got that. Now mm. start again. And there's sort of punctuation marks, which are, yeah, yeah, which have left indelible marks in our heads as to how we learn and how we read, for example. Mm. These pieces of, of software have figured all this out. And it's only just beginning. And, you know, so, so it is going to... So there's a fluency to, to this as opposed to, you know, the, the other reference I could use is, is Deep Thought. Remember Deep Thought from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Never read it. He, he was asked this big question, what is the meaning of life, universe and everything? And he said, 42. <laughs> so he's a bullshitter too. <laughs> but I mean, but the, the idea is like, so, so if you think, okay, well, what is this, right? And then, then you think about great innovative moments in the past. Mm. And we go back to my monk, right? So think about the impact of the printing press on the world. So the printing press, 1452, Gutenberg, in Mainz, messing around, yeah. in effect, right? Who was the commissioner of the printing press? The church, of course. Hey! Right? Stayed all the readies. Cropping up right? again. But what is extraordinary is the printing press did for the monk who was translating the Bible. Because in the time that it took the monk to translate and write one Bible, Gutenberg could print 400. Yes. So straight away, the monk is gone. Yeah. But what did it actually do for the society? Society is extraordinary. The price of books between 1450 and 1500 fell by two thirds, right? They dropped by two and a half percent every year from 1460 to 1600. Right. Now, in 1460, the price of a book amounted to 100 days wages for an artisan. By 1600, such was the explosion in printing, a book cost less than a day's wage for an average worker. Yeah. And fascinatingly, it caused a revolutionary change in what people studied. In what way? Now, this is the interesting thing. So because information, technology always does one thing I've always thought, and you can see it all the time, is there's two ways of learning. One is classical learning. Mm. So we source our information from what went before, right? We mm. call it deductive reasoning. Yeah. We deduce the world from stuff we already know. But if you have a scientific revolution, and for example, the printing press brought in a scientific revolution, because people start to be worried about the future and interest in the future and science mm. and all that sort of stuff, you have what you call inductive reasoning. So you take, for example, scientific ideas like engineering ideas. Like mm. I know the relationship between this and this is stable. Sure. If I can see this, and if I can be guaranteed or assured that this is a stable relationship, then I can predict into the future. If you think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you move from deductive reasoning, which is based on the classics, to inductive reasoning, which is the fascination with the future. So you you move from, for example, a history program to Brian Cox. Yes, yeah, Imagine that, right? So the history program said... The reason the world is like this is we know this has happened. We deduce this. Yeah. And then you have Brian Cox who's saying the wonder of the world is that with the relationships I know about physics, yeah. I can then tell you what has happened even before it's happening. Yeah. Right? So that's the difference, right? Now that 
was one of the functions of the printing press. So you get this extraordinary collapse in the, now think about this, in the salaries of professors in German universities who were professors in the classics, because nobody was interested. Because people were so enthused by science right. that you get this increase in the salaries of mathematics professors in German universities, right? Okay. right? Yeah, in yeah, the 15th yeah, yeah. century yeah, yeah. and 16th century. This is what's going to happen here, is that what we have now is a clash between the humanities. Mm. So the AI bots can say, you know what? You want to read about the Roman Republic? I'll give you it all. You don't need a professor. I'll give you everything you need to know, and I'll give it to you for free, so you don't have to go to Trinity, or you don't have to go to UCD, right. right? Okay. But at the same time, at the same time, what it's going to do is all breakthroughs in science and technology and forward thinking will cause a dramatic increase in interests in science-type subjects. And we're already seeing this. Mm. So the number of kids doing STEM research is going through the roof. Whereas the number of kids going, you know, I want to do a literature MA or I want to do a humanities yeah. MA. So what you have is this extraordinary battle in the middle. And the way it's all playing out is in financial markets. This well, is the fantastic yeah, Explain thing. that. So if you look at the amount of money in the AI software market, right? Revenue in AI software is expected to reach 118 billion euros in 2025, right? This is, wow. So this is because we're using it all the time in mm. every single yeah, call yeah, center, yeah. every online query. You go to your Ryanair website, it's all bots, yeah. right? It's anticipating consumer, we were talking the other day about your call is important to me. Yes. Yeah, All that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff, right? According to Deloitte, companies claiming to be using three or more types of AI has increased from 62% of all companies to 79% in one year. Yeah. So nine out of 10 business leaders agree that AI is going to be critical for success, right? And PwC, that other outfit, says AI could contribute up to $15 trillion to the world economy by 2030, right? Wow. And, of course, if you are, this time last year, if you were hustling for money around the world, you were hustling for, you were saying, I've got a crypto company, yeah, or yeah, I've yeah. got a metaverse company, yeah. right? Now what you'll see is that if you're looking for money, if you're a hustler around Dublin or around London or about New York, and you're looking for investors' money, you just say you've got some AI thing. I've yeah, got an yeah, AI yeah. yoke, right? Yeah. So this podcast, John, if you ever flog it, we have an AI <laughs> angle, we have a podcast <laughs> bot in the whole thing, right? Now, at Microsoft plans to pump 10 billion euros into that company, ChatGPT. So ChatGPT has spent a huge amount of money. It's now looking for funds for its next iteration. And big companies like Microsoft are saying, we're going to back you. Now, of course, we know Silicon Valley players putting money into something is no guarantee of success. In fact, mm. it's usually a harbinger of failure, right? Mm -hmm. But the point right. is, when the money men are excited... When the economy shifts towards a new technology, the money men get all very, very excited. They did actually, by the way, in the printing press. Yes. There was a yeah, huge, yeah. massive increase in private equity, 15th century and 16th century, private equity going into printing, right? Because it was the technology du jour. This is the technology du jour. And it's having a profound effect on the way in which we think about the world. And it will impact the way in which we reason about the world. And for me, then to come back to The Economist, what it does is it kind of looks at accountants, yeah. lawyers, economists, journalists, and puts it up to us, which is kind of fascinating too. So those of us who've learned 
if you think about information, right? Mm. The idea of information is king and information is power. Then if information becomes less unique to an exclusive gang of economists and lawyers and accountants, and whatever, then the power shifts. There's a power shift change Absolutely, in society. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what we see all the time. Absolutely, there's a shift in power. But what does that say about us as a species, as humanity? Is this saying that we're in some way lazy, looking for the path of least resistance, which, which humanity has always done? So is this just another iteration of that? That's what we always do. I Look, every innovation is about saving time. Humans have figured out. Mm. You know, I was reading something very interesting about the hunter-gatherer economy. Right. right, And the hunter-gatherer economy was all based on time. So basically what happened was humans sort of said, you know, we kind of think the hunter-gatherers were kind of roaming around aimlessly, fucking chasing deer. And but <laughs> on the contrary, the hunter-gatherer economy was all based around trying to travel as little as possible and garner as much food as possible. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there they Maximum had... Maximum efficiencies. But they had, yeah. So they had an economy in their head. So it's not an economy, they didn't have taxation and things, but in their head, they had the same basic idea, which is what I'm really into doing is hanging around, chatting, riding, eating, yeah. talking, having fun. Yeah. So how can I... Sounds good to me. Exactly. This is what all humans want to do, right? Yeah. So how can I sit around, have as much sex as possible, eat as much, drink as much, and kind of scratch my arse and talk to my mates and still not starve? Yeah. Right? That's the whole thing. That was the hunter-gatherers. We're all still doing it. So what it says about us is we're doing with technology what we've always done, which is try to liberate free time, which is try to give us more control over the one element, if you will, mm. or the one concept we don't, we know we're going to run out of, but which do, is time. But do we become less educated or less inclined to learn because we have, we can outsource, outsource. Our, our kind of knowledge yeah. and our, we just ask a question, we just throw it into GPT. Well, look, it's, it's definitely happening. If you look at, for example, when I was young, when we were young, do you remember the calculator arrived? Okay. Yes. And the calculator arrived in the 80s, in effect, right? And everyone said, oh my God, They'll never do any mathematics again. <laughs> Look at those people. Look, they're just they're just putting it into a machine, <laughs> right? Do you remember that? Yeah. And I predict my mother being a school teacher. Yeah. That'll never. That's a card. Yeah. That's okay. a card. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a card, right? Now, of course, what has happened is we've become much more mathematical and scientific since then. So you get a machine to do something that humans used to do. Yeah. But we move on to do something else. I mean, what is maybe we'll end, end here. What is interesting on AI? is the impact it should have on big monolithic institutions such as the education system. Yeah. So if, for example, a machine is able to regurgitate better than a human data, facts, relationships, algorithms from the past, then it probably suggests that our education system, the one thing we know machines can't do is they can't synthesize and put context on ideas and they have mm. no emotion. Mm. So therefore, what you would call emotional intelligence as opposed to IQ becomes much, much more relevant for humans. 
And as a consequence of that, really weird human skills like empathy, understanding, feel, touch, these sort of very soft skills are probably the sort of skills that we should be exposing children to more rather than learning things by rote. Mm. And I suppose our Leaving Cert system in this country, but not any huge difference to any other matriculation, baccalaureate yeah. in France, yeah. or the British system of the, what is it, the A-levels A A levels and the O-levels. Yeah. Are the O-levels still there? Uh, GCSEs. GCSEs, yeah. 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 Same sort of idea of writing exams. That seems to me a bit like the monk with the quill, right? Yes. That it's going to go out of date. So the next time you're doing your leave insert and it's really annoying you, just think of what happened to the monk with the quill. He didn't last very long. Just a quick message to say, why don't you sign up and follow us on Patreon? You get no ads. You get access to our chat community. And very soon, you will get an entirely new economics course on the history of money and how money operates in the economy. That's going to be out for next month. So join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dave McWilliams. <laughs>